morning, good afternoon, and good night. And welcome to T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast. The most fun you'll ever listen to while you're folding your clothes. Now let's get this straight. This is not your average podcast. T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio is super fun, super crazy. It's pretty much an in-your-face conversation. That's the good thing about us. We don't do interviews. We do conversations. All of my guests, all of my co-hosts, we chill. We drink, we play games, we have the song of the week, we have the creative curse word of the week. As long as you're having fun as our guest. Speaking of guests, each week I'm going to go through my whole contact list and dive head first into the world of music, gaming, exotic cars, tech, strippers probably, doctors probably, probably strippers that are only stripping so they can pay for tuition to become a doctor. You never know. My wife is a certified bartender. She'll make you a drink while you're here. We'll get you drunk and make you play VR after. It's a lot going on, but that's what it's all about over here at T-Pain's Nappy Boy Radio Podcast. See you soon, baby! You know, I got to tell you, I have so many garbage apps on my phone, I never know where to look for stuff. And recently, I decided to clean house. All the junk and clutter gone. This leaves me with my most cherished apps. You know, the ones that can do it all. Like my Live One app. Music, events, news, podcasts, comedy. Oh, and actual musical stations curated by humans. Not those robots hanging out on Bezos's yacht. All this on one tiny little place on my phone. I've become such a fan of the app, we here at the Adam Carolla Show will give you three months free. Jump on to liveone.com forward slash Corolla to lock in your deal today. And with inflation at an all-time high, this is a huge savings. Liveone.com forward slash Corolla for three months plus for free. No ads. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the Motorator DeAndre, here with Bill Goldberg. Good morning, sir. How are you? <laughs> well, <laughs> again, I don't know how to answer that, but I'm doing great, man. Uh, doing wonderful. And yourself? Uh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Alistair Weaver, welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. How are you? We're doing uh, doing good. Getting uh uh, getting ready for auction week, Arizona auction week, which is next week, and then uh, in there's a SEMA conference, and there's all kinds of things going on. But uh, I know you've got some things to get into. The garage is uh, just about done. I know you guys are, are jamming to get some final things done. We've been talking about it for a couple of <laughs> years. Everyone wants to know when the podcast studio is going to be done so we can get that worked out. But the big thing was like the HVAC. Did you get the HVAC done? Uh, no, but we did get it started up. I, I okay. moved all the cart, I moved all the cars out, got it started up. But we're short twenty two grates, so you know the the yeah. metal cup. So I have twenty two whole holes, and <laughs> I, so you know. Uh, again, I've been bitching and moaning about it for a long time. It's right at the point right now where I can I can turn one direction and really enjoy myself if I you know narrow my field of view. But then there's the HVAC with holes in it. You know, there's two lifts still in it. So I can't do any of the audio. I can't do any of the video stuff and present anything without crap in the background or right. in the way. So it's it's at arm's length. I'm I'm right there, right there. I got to I have to do a test burnout inside of the garage today uh, for the flooring company. So that should be fun. But you know, there's lifts in the way and this it just looks like crap. But I'm close. 
very close. I saw uh, Hubinet commenting on a few of the uh, photos. He just he just sees a drift track and he doesn't see the garage in the middle. And uh, I don't know if he's going to come out and help you out, help Chris. Well, he the- know he knows he knows my plan. And yes, just uh, barring his schedule or pe- schedule pending, uh, I got to have him out here to do that as soon as possible because we're there. Literally, the yeah. the floor covering is the final the final step. So. Um, even though it's never done, done, it's 99.9% there and I'm excited. It's just, we got to cross that finish line. Um, Alistair, did you, you did stuff with Sam Hubinet in the past, right? I, uh, I, not me, unfortunately. No, I thought you did. I don't know where that came up, but I thought you had done that before, but, um, yeah, I'm sure he's I excited. Did, I, I did a, I did a world record for the number of donuts. That's right. In a minute. So maybe maybe that could be one for Bill's garage. <laughs> well, Bill's got to do it in the garage, so. <laughs> i got to do it in the garage, but the problem is, right, you don't want to start shredding tires, and you don't want to start throwing rubber everywhere. So I've got, fortunately, like a green screen that's probably 12 feet high, and so it's, and I, I would imagine it's 75 feet long, so I can drape the right behind where I'm going to be doing the burnout so that it doesn't throw crap all over the rest of the garage. Yeah. That's, that's my biggest concern, to be honest with you. Not right. hitting a post. It's throwing the stuff, you know, on cars <laughs> and having it melt, and melt the paint, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, okay. And then uh, before we get into the, uh, to the Edmonds um, Awards, uh, Barrett Jackson's coming up. Is there anything you want to plug for that? I know you're going to be meeting with the guys at uh, uh, Badass Workbenches. Um, yeah, thir- Thursday evening, I think it's 4 to 6. Uh, I don't know exactly where their booth is, but uh, I'm sure it will be prominently displayed. I will be out there doing a meet and greet. And yeah, man, uh, Barrett, I haven't been for years. Uh, I have to wear a uh, a lock on my wallet. Uh, <laughs> There's no question about that. But, you know, I'm very much looking forward to go. Uh, yeah, so their booth typically is um, where the salon collection is under the big tent. You get into that big vendor area. I think the past year or two, they were kind of like halfway down on the left side as you're they walking through. They got a great through, spot. But, yeah, um, they, they've always had a great spot. The first time I ever – I literally stumbled right into their booth because it was in between the, the front entrance and – the stage. So, I mean, it's a, it's a prime spot or it was a prime spot. If they have that, then that's where I'll be. Uh, and I'm the, sure it won't be too hard to find. The Leverack guys were usually over there in that area as well. Yeah. And I have to pay a visit to them also. Um, they're all friends, right? They all work together. Those guys, yeah, by the way. <laughs> in the beginning, I didn't want to cross reference and piss anybody off. But uh, the fact is that there's so many of us enthusiasts out there that the, the, the uh, there, there's room for everybody, but they they really don't. Uh, they have no animosity. It's a it's a comfortable, competitive workplace. Uh, okay, so Thursday at Bear Jackson uh, next week, Thursday at four o'clock, you'll be there. Anybody that's swinging by Bear Jackson on a Thursday, go by and say hi to Bill. Otherwise, we'll be around uh, Friday and Saturday as well, kind of uh, roaming around, trying not to spend money. Yeah, and if you have some badass cars, do not come up to me and tell me what what <laughs> number they are, please. <laughs> right. After they sold, then come over and go, hey, I sold my car. It was really fantastic. Oh, that way, yeah, you can brag about it after it's sold. Um, Alistair, have you been out to a Bear Jackson event? 
I haven't. I should go on, yeah, for sure. You should definitely uh, go. It is a spectacle for sure. The other auctions there are fantastic as well. I love swinging by RM. Gooding stopped doing their live auction, Scottsdale, a couple of years ago. They do the online version. Um, I think their next live auction is Amelia Island. Um, but those are fascinating to see because they do bring out – like RM brings out all of the cars at the uh, at the hotel. They're um, uh, at the Biltmore, I believe. Uh, so you can go there and kind of just walk around for free to see the cars. They kind of all got them out in front of the, on the lawn in front of the hotel. So that's cool to see and then swing over to Barrett because it is a, a, an event for sure. Alistair, you've never been there dur- during the Scottsdale festivities during the end of uh, January? No, I mean, oops, sorry. Uh, I've only, I mean, I've only been out here for five years, and like two of those have lost the pandemic. So I need to get my my mission for this year is to get myself out a bit more. I'm actually going down to the NADA, which is the Dealer Association in Dallas, yeah. at the end of the month. Just to, um, I've never been to one of those, and that's a, I mean, it's a it's a it's a B two B, it's an industry event, but it's a huge thing. So I'm looking forward to going down there. And yeah, I need to get out more. I want to I want to experience more of this. And I spend so much time on bring a trailer, but there's no. Um, you know, the, the, there's no replacement for actually going out there, you know, meeting people, walking the lawn, seeing the cars up close. It's uh, it's well, still a special thing. Here's the deal. When I got the invite to Goodwood and I had heard about it for years, the level of excitement I had as a car enthusiast, not going to have to work, but just going and being a fly on the wall and seeing and experiencing everything. I, I, I look at Barrett as by no means in the same category as far as what it represents. But as far as ex- excitement level and enthusiast, just it's it is for the enthusiast, man. That that weekend or that week, not just Barrett Jackson, like like uh, Matt was saying, but it is a sight to behold, and it's an experience. I mean, look at what the auctions have been doing. Look at what Meekham's been doing. Now you can only imagine what <laughs> where the bar is set for Barrett Jackson in January. It's it's going to be unbelievable. So how different is the crowd there to what you would find at, at Pebble Beach uh, Car Week? Is it the same people or different different between, vibe? It's a mix between uh, F1 and NASCAR fans. It, you get a little bit of everything. because That's, that, that sounds explosive. It is. That, <laughs> that, because anyone and everyone who loves the automobile and can appreciate a restoration or a $5 million, you know, Carroll Shelby, Cobra, is there and uh you know it brings all walks of life together and when you are there no matter what your socioeconomic background or or status or demographic it makes no difference we're all car guys and girls so that's why it's so cool it it, it, i'm not saying it levels the playing field but you have the ability to go and see anything and everything you'd ever want to see at bear jacks but it there's vendors as well so it's got a little bit of it, it's some of the manufacturers, the car manufacturers are there with vendor booths, Chevy, BMW. You'll see some things like that. Um, uh, usually like Hennessy and, and Roush and, and, you know, like that. So it's got a little bit of that Goodwood festival of speed, like, but, but then there's just tons of vendors. And when you go outside and you walk through the tents and you can get like the giant turkey leg and the, the uh, hot dog. Yeah, like age walking around. So it's kind of like it's kind of like a fair meets a car auction. But yeah, but also (laughs) you know, also uh, the charity 
aspect of it, right? And the fanfare and the excitement that's that's produced when one of those vehicles goes up and, you know, like the the, the Superbird that we sold. Yeah. I think it I can't remember it was Poteet or somebody bought it for six hundred grand and then donates it back and then you know, people go nuts and then you raise as much more money for charity as possible. So it's the entire experience. Not only do you see the cool, you know, the the $20,000 cars that go out on Wednesday, but you have the ability to see the things that are going Saturday night that just break the record books. And you've got from the bottom end of the spectrum in this in the business, the enthusiast, you know, aspect to the absolute top. And so it's so cool. Just as a car person, the experience, whether it's the ride outside that Dodge does, you know, or it's the 15-foot-long hot dogs or it's the $10 million cars. It's just the experience is unparalleled. It's just you have to go. Done. <laughs> Done. All right. Um, all right. So we've been kind of waiting uh, uh, a little bit to – to see what's going on with Edmonds, uh, best of awards, I guess, the top of each category. Um, I'm excited to see what you guys came up with. I know uh, you guys put a lot of time and effort into the testing and your reviews and buying cars. Um, if you tell me everything is electric, then I'm going to be pissed. I'm, I'm leaving early. <laughs> but, uh, but I expect something electric, just not everything electric. Because uh, I don't think they're there quite yet. It's uh, it's it's great to be working with such new age men. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying we'll lose three fourths of our audience if everything's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, don't worry. It's all good. Yeah. No, we do. Uh, uh, basically, every for those for those who don't know, every year we do something called the Edmunds Top Rated Award. We launched it about four years ago, and it's grown since then. Um, these things are always like, you know what award shows are like? They're always a ton of work. I mean, there's basically like six months' work behind this in terms of getting the cars together, finalizing all the testing, doing all the shoots, putting the website together, et cetera. This morning, uh, this morning we launched it. So edmunds.com slash top rated. Uh, uh, so just T-O-P-R-R-A-T-E-D. So this year we have rehashed it a little bit, bringing in a few more EVs, but uh, it's, still a, it's still a mix. So we have... We have three awards for uh, internal combustion and three awards for EVs. Uh, so basically, we've named the best car, truck, and SUV, uh, ICE, and um, and EV. And then in a week's time, we're going to launch the best of the best, which is a new award which recognizes like the what we think is a standout amongst our winners, but also something that kind of moves the game on and has a has a bigger impact than um, than the rest. So that's coming in a week's time. Maybe we can talk about that next week. But uh, yeah, we have six category winners uh, today. Okay, what what which categories are you going to do today? So all six uh, go live today. Then the best of the best goes live uh, next week. Oh, so okay. Uh, so I can go through them quickly. In the internal combustion world, uh, car is Honda Civic, uh, SUV is Kia Sportage Hybrid. And then truck is F-150. And I should say that these awards, unlike some kind of car of the year stuff, these aren't recognizing the best car that came out this year. These are basically trying to recognize the best vehicles on sale right now. So like the F-150 is now run for three years in a row as our favorite truck. Uh, then in the electric world, Chevy Bolt EV which uh, for electric car, which might surprise people. But it's like 27th grand. It's such a... It's such a hell of a lot of car for your money. It's like a proper family EV for under $30,000, and nobody comes close to that. Uh, electric SUV, 
um, Hyundai Ionic 5, uh, which you recognize won a ton of awards. That's a, a great vehicle. And then electric truck, uh, good news for your residuals, Matt, uh, F-150 Lightning. Okay. Um, l- let's get into a few of these real quick, uh, starting with the gas engine stuff while we got Bill's attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Honda Civic. I don't disagree with that. I think Honda Civic is a good, well-rounded car. They put a lot of time into it. Uh, uh, you know, the the hot versions of it, I, I think, is a little less boy racer-ish. Um, Ish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, had had quite a bit of competition with the Toyota Corolla GR, right? Yeah, we, we've actually got a video we just launched comparing. We did like a little autocross, the Civic Type R and the Corolla GR. Um, I mean, this award is more for the uh, for the everyday version rather than the Type R. But it's just, a you know, at a very reasonable price point, it's just a really nicely executed little thing. It's good, it's good to drive. It's pretty pr- – I mean, it's small, but it's pretty practical. It starts at only under 25 grand. It's economical. The quality is good. You know, it's like that everybody talks about SUVs these days or EVs, but actually there's some really nice little cars out there um, and will continue to be so. And, you know, if you're looking for just a, a great, reliable, well-built, appealing little thing, it's it's just it's just a really nice, really nicely executed top product. Really. Is, is the Honda Civic the best-selling car for them right now? I mean, maybe not best-selling SUV, but is – I guess what I'm saying is, is that like sub $30,000 market the best selling market or are most people really into that, I don't know, 30 to 40 range? Only because cars are more expensive these days. So it's already surprising to get a $25,000, $28,000 car. Yeah, I mean, most of their market is still SUV. So if you look at where their their big sales are, it's CRV. And obviously there's a new CRV. There's also a new Accord on the way, so Accord sales are probably a little bit up and down at the moment because they're, they're in run out for their 2022, and then there's the new generation car coming. So Honda's continuing to build cars. I mean, they sell more SUV, CRVs, HRVs, uh, but you know they're continuing to persist with cars in a way that, say, Ford aren't. Uh, so I haven't got the figures in front of me, Matt, but you know they obviously sell enough to make it viable. Yeah. I, I mean, you're right. And then as far as small SUV, I, between RAV4 and CRV, that's got to be a million and a half cars a year. They probably got to do about six or 700,000 of those things a year each. Yeah. I mean, the markets, obviously, it's been a tough market with supply and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I'd say a million between them at least. Yeah. I think it's about a million between them. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think CRV, yeah, both of those have been, you know, the top alongside something like F-150. They are the biggest selling vehicles in America. And everything is pretty much front-wheel drive. If there's not an all-wheel drive variant, it's all front-wheel drive. I mean, as far as like coming out of Honda these days, is is yeah. right? Because Accord and, and it's all front-wheel drive, right? Uh, yes, from Honda. I mean, amongst our finalists, not one of the winners, but amongst the finals, we had something like the Subaru BRZ which, again, is just a great value little sports car, uh, won, our, won our award in the past. Um, yeah, all the Honda stuff All the Honda stuff is front-wheel drive. BRZ, since you mentioned it, do you fit in a BRZ? Yeah, actually, you'd be surprised. I mean, you probably don't get anybody in the seats behind me, but we, we have one in part of our long-term test fleet, and it's great. 
you know, if you just want something fun for for you know running around the city, or you don't have to take it to the track to be fun. It's it's limits the search, you know, it's it's limits the search. It's manual gearbox. It sounds good. You know, and with the new model, it goes a little bit faster than the old one did. So it's not fast, fast, but it's it's fast enough to be fun. And what that that car is also about twenty eight grand, right? Yeah, I forget exactly what the price is today, but yeah, they're under they're under um, they're, they're under uh, I think they're tipping under under thirty. Um, I probably got it here because it's listed as one of our finalists. Yeah, they start at just under thirty. Uh, yeah, just under 30. Probably if you add destination, it might tip over 30, but it's still fantastic value for what it is. I mean, it's it's a little weird to say, you know, some of the most affordable cars out there are, you know, knocking on the door of 30 grand, but it's also kind of like hard to believe that we could still offer a car that's under 30 grand. Like on one, one hand, like cars are all expensive now, but on the other hand, it's like, I I'm surprised we can do it, but yeah, you know, yeah. I, I went home last I went home last night in a Ford Maverick, which isn't one of our winners, but it was again came pretty close. And again, just like a truck for a, a truck at a, a really you know a really cost effective price. That's just a really nice, honest vehicle. Yeah. Okay. I, and you're right. I think the price point helps for that more than anything. I think it's a you know it's a good economic vehicle, but also I think the price point is what makes the Maverick. Super attractive. That and not a lot of competition out there. All right. What was next on your uh, your your gas engine list? Uh, so Kia Sportage Hybrid. So we've included like hybrids in the in the in the gas section. Um, again, it's like it's it's remarkable value. This thing starts at under thirty grand as well. Super fuel efficient. Great interior. Kind of a nice size. It's a good size for families. It's not too big that it becomes cumbersome, but it's not too it's not too small that you can't fit people in the back. And, you know, Kia's on a roll at the moment. We love the Telluride, uh, which was one of the one of the beaten finalists as one in the past. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to fault, really. It's just a great all-round package. And we had it up against the brand-new Honda CRV. And honestly, the CRV just feels a little bit conservative, a little bit old-school by comparison. So the Sportage and the CRV, they seem a little on the small side. I, I mean, I guess that the... Is the Sportage the CRV size? Yeah, Sportage is CRV sized, so you know it's it's a it's a strict two row. But if you've got like a a, a Goldberg size family, normal size family, then it is a it is a it's perfectly nice as a as it's a it's a great all round family car. And again, it's it's small enough to be maneuverable. It's easier to park. It's pretty fuel efficient. So you know it's it's. It's no, there's no surprise why they sell so many of them. Uh, Kia, uh, Kia Genesis, they they've been super impressive. Two brands that have just really been, I would say Hyundai as well, but it seems a little bit more Kia and and Genesis has just been wildly impressive. The redesigned logo for for Kia. Which is confusing everybody, and I think there's more <laughs> there's more Google searches for what car is K N because the the Kia logo looks like a K and an N, and the, the I seems to be missing. Um, I don't know if that's just helping, uh, you know, people and helping people to Google what the car is. They're seeing it, they don't know what it is. They're googling it. And- it works. Whatever it is, whatever their intent was. 
it works. It's you're right. It worked, and it's 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 allowing people to search for the vehicle for the brand online, and I'm sure they end up clicking on. You know, whatever reviews or the manufacturer's website to see the like, yeah, this is what it is. So it's, it's, I, I don't think it was intentional <laughs> altering the logo like that with have it to be search result related, but it seems to be working. Well, we, in all seriousness, we looked at the traffic for KN yeah. uh, because ultimately, if you rank, you know, like as a business, you want to rank at the top of Google. And we looked at how much traffic there was for that, and could we rank for KN as well as for Kia? Yeah. And what would that do for the business? That's a serious, serious conversation we had. Anyway, uh, Kia, I mean, you're right. It, basically, Kia Genesis, I'd include Hyundai in there because, you know, the Ionic 5 won our electric SUV and has won like a whole ton of awards this year. Um, also, love the little truck that they have. So, they're all, I mean, these awards kind of reflect, you know, who, who's up and who's down in the market or predominantly who's who's up and you can see a transition as the years go by you know at one point honda was winning all the awards and right now it's it's kia and hyundai which of course is is fundamentally one company and we love some of what genesis is doing too and you know it's not it's not rocket science they're just creating great products that are, are great to look at good value good to drive technologically advanced and in you know it's kind of reassuring that if people build good products people buy them and so they're having critical success, they're having sales success, and they're just on a roll and, you know, can't fault it. And they back it all up with these big warranties and everything else. So they make a lot of, they just make a lot of sense to buy. And I think people have got past the, any sort of negative image that might have existed in the past. You know, it's now, it's now a, you know, a, a great thing to own a Kia. And because you mentioned the warranty, um, I was going to ask, what, what are you seeing now with the long-term quality of the cars? Do you have any long-term tests on Kia, Genesis, Hyundai, any any of the shared brands, I guess? Yeah, we've had a we've had a Telluride, we've had a Sorento, um all of which have been all of which have been good. I mean, the the quality both the perceived quality and the and the build quality stands comparison with Anything from any anything from you know in the mainstream market from Japan or, or the US or Europe, um, you know, and, and and they're not tending to go wrong. And we we're really big fans of the hybrid. We've been specific in this award that it's for the hybrid, um, and that hybrid system. It's not you're not sort of consciously buying a hybrid. You almost need to get past that mentally. Actually, it's just a better version of a of a gas car where the hybrid just helps the car along, gives you more performance, gives you more economy, but you don't feel like you're driving something different. It's just a, it's just great. I mean, sometimes they just hit the sweet spot with a vehicle, and that's what they've done in this case. Yeah, interesting. Bill, you should drive a Telluride. I kind of want to get your opinion on it. All right, I know you got to run. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to, but hold on to that talk. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Uh, all right, we'll see you later. Uh I agree on the, on the hybrid portion of it. So my mom's got like a RAV4 hybrid and she didn't really know the difference. But it, it came down to – I was just like, you know what? It's it's better gas mileage overall and the warranty was a little bit better. The drivetrain and the battery warranty was, was just better. So uh, – and it ended up being a little bit quicker. You know, so in that instance, it just and it was seamless to her. She didn't have to plug it in or anything like that. She didn't really understand exactly what it meant. And I was like, nothing. Just drive it. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the beauty of them. Um, you know, we're still struggling a lot with infrastructure issues, as you know, on the EV world. And, you know, especially if you're doing bigger distances or you live in an or you can't charge at home, then actually a hybrid just makes a load of sense. And it's not, you know, I think in the early days it was seen as, you know, some of the early Priuses and stuff almost kind of did a, had a negative impact on the, on the, uh, on the image of these things. But now they're just a better, it's just a better engine, if you like, with the hybrid. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about, uh, you said Ionic five, I mean, on, on the electric car, right? That one's getting, yeah. So we have two electric cars. One, uh, one is, I mean, what's a car, what's an SUV. And honestly, it's like the, the line between the two is so, is so blurred, but our best electric car was the, the Chevy Bolt EV, which is just amazing value for what it is. And then the best uh, SUV was the um, was the Ionic Five, which can, can can Chevrolet make money off of the Bolt? Is is this still like a loss leader, or, or what's your thoughts on that? I mean, <laughs> it depends how you dress these things up, doesn't it? Because you know you can amortize the R and D across a whole bunch of models. Um, it's older to, in some ways, it's older technology, but it's older technology that still works. You've got a range of well over 200 miles. You've got, you know, you've got pretty compact dimensions, but decent space inside. You've got technology like Apple CarPlay and yeah, some of the touchy feely stuff isn't the highest quality, but you know, it's under 30 grand. So are they making a ton of money from it? No. Are they building for the future and really helping to establish themselves in the market? Absolutely. And this year, They've not only got the Blazer EV coming, the Silverado EV, and then the Equinox, which is also going to be really cost-effective. That's hitting the market too. And the average transaction price for an EV at the moment is in the $60,000-plus. 60, 60 yeah. So to have an effective EV at under 30 is is tremendous. Um, and, yeah, it's not super fashionable. It's not a Tesla. Um, it's, it's not a Ionic 5 or something. But just as a practical, useful family car, it's great. Where does the Ionic 5 come in as far as price? Uh, so I think that starts in the late four, uh, in the late 40s. Um, 41, actually. Sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of with all the destination and, and everything else. So it starts at just over 40 and runs to 56,500. Um, so what? call it 45 to 58, roughly, by the time you got it delivered on your driveway. And then for this particular category, what did you compare it to and why did this one stand out? So again, I think it's just a combination of virtue. I mean, our finalists for the for the SUV um, with a Kia Nero, which is which is brand new, um, and then the BMW iX, which is obviously more of a luxury vehicle. You can debate the looks all day, but if you get past the kind of controversial looks, it's a really great luxury EV, uh, but at a, at a price. And the Ionic Five just, I think, just again hits that sweet spot of being a good size. It's bigger than it looks. In some ways, it's actually quite a quite a sizable family car. It's got great technology, 800-volt architecture, which, to get past the geek speak, basically means that you can charge quicker if you get a 350-kilowatt charger. Um, it's got a, you know, it looks cool, that kind of retro vibe about it, but it, it's got a, you know, it stands out, it's appealing. The interior's got plenty of space, good quality, plenty of tech. It's just a great all-round package, and you can have it either with one motor or, or if you want all-wheel drive and more performance, you can have that as well. So there's plenty of choice. So it's uh, you know good range, good performance, good practicality, versatility. It's it's just a great all-round package. And you know there's other vehicles that we like in that category. You know Mustang Mackie has won one for one before. You know Model Y is obviously hugely popular, and they've just they've just cut a load of money off the price. 
Uh, but that Ionic 5 is, is tough to beat at the moment. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. It's it's interesting. Also, not a lot of competition. Like next year we have this conversation or the year after, I think the field is going to be much bigger when we start to look at you know, sort of the pure play EVs that are out there. Um, probably a little more discussion on wh- when when does range start to jump, you know, from, you know, high 200s to maybe high 300s or low 4s. And then who's which, – which companies, which brands are going to be the ones to be the first out the gate? I'm not talking Lucid for $180,000. I'm talking about when does, you know, a, you know a Ford or Hyundai or GM or, or somebody – Start getting into that 380 mile range, and what does that mean? You know, and, and who cares? Uh, there's a, there's also that, Matt. Yeah. It's like because to get there with the current, unless the battery technology and we get to solid state, or something that takes a massive leap with the technology we have today, you just add weight and cost. So realistically, you know, 250 miles. If you get the infrastructure right, and you know, most pe- and people now start to everybody charges at home, it's probably enough, right? 300 miles, as long as you can. You just need to have better access to fast chargers that actually work. And if you can solve that problem, then you don't need cars with 500 miles, 600 miles. Yeah. Right. I I guess I 280 is a pretty good spot if it's accurate. <laughs> yeah. And if you know that after a couple of hundred miles, you can pull over in 20 minutes, half an hour, you're going to get another 250 miles. You know, you have a you have a quick latte and a muffin and you're back in the car and on your way again. And I think if you know the technology is going to work, the charges are going to work, you're not going to have to queue for an hour to get there, then I think that's okay. Yeah. It's 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 got to meet in the middle. Range and I don't think you can just keep adding range to these vehicles because all you're doing is adding cost, materials, weight, all the stuff that you don't really want and don't necessarily need. So, which you can't yeah, do I mean, in, in a lot of the vehicles of the size that you're talking about, things like Chevy Bolt and stuff. When you start getting into Silverado and and you know so, some of the bigger SUVs that are all going to become electric, there's there, weight and size are are two things that you kind of get a, a pass on. Uh, you know how, yeah, how do you so, how do you put all of that power and that 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 battery into something small? Yeah, and when you say the other problem with with it is you end up with a very inefficient vehicle. So the you know if you take the Rivian, it's what seven thousand four hundred pounds, but that's a lot of mass to sort of push through the air. So you end up with something that actually uses a lot of juice. Yeah. So the efficiency goes down, and then and then of course you've got a bigger battery to it to accommodate the the lower efficiency. But that means you've got to charge it as well. And people, I think people are struggling to get their heads around this sometimes that. You think, oh, I'll get an extra hundred miles, but actually, that might—that's going to take twice as long in a Rivian than it is in something like a Tesla Model Three, because to get a hundred miles, because it's less efficient, means you've got to have more energy. So it's the same as like putting more gas in the tank, but you know that gas in the tank is an extra couple of minutes. Nobody thinks about it. So you know, I I, I went into the Peterson Museum to use the the EV Go charger on Saturday, and. You know, I got I got 18 kilowatts, and it only let me charge for an hour. So I managed to get like a 80 miles or something into my Tesla, which got me home. But you know, it's hopeless. So <laughs> you know, if that had been the lightning or something like that, that would have got me 40 miles. Yeah. 
So you know, it's it's this is the problem. You know, you you for the first one didn't work. Is then the second one did work, but it was working at a, at a reduced capacity. And after an hour, it said you can't charge anymore. Get lost. So it's like okay, now I've got to go and charge the car again. Yeah, right. It's hopeless. All right, before we get into Lightning, let's just talk F-150. There's new F-150 on the way. Uh, this is a very competitive segment between Ram, Chevy, Toyota, I guess, as well. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very, very competitive segment. Um, all of those trucks sell well, and the companies behind them have big budgets on them because they continue to sell well. So, you know, you can spend – a billion dollars of R&D and development on an F-150, but, you know, you can't on a Ford Escape unless it's shared across, you know, nine other platforms. Uh, why does F-150 continue? Because you guys were really raving about uh, Ram a while back. Yeah, I think we were. And, you know, the Ram's still a great vehicle, but F- the the latest generation F-150 came, uh, came along and toppled it. Silverado had a big... Uh, a, a big uptick this year with a much better interior, the interior that perhaps always should have had. Uh, Toyota came along with a great, you know, with a great full-size truck, but it's, you know, there's some great tech there, but it doesn't necessarily have the range, uh, and I mean, the range of options and, and some of the technology that the Ford has. So, yeah, there's, a, there's, there's, there's just a fantastic choice out there for truck buyers. And, of course, you know, all the attention is switching towards the electric truck. So we've seen, you know, Lightning, uh, Silverado EV is this year. Ram just at, at the CES show in Vegas showed a showed a, a concept which is really interesting. The Ram's mm-hmm. going to have an electric truck. So you're at this kind of point where they're continuing to invest in the gas trucks because frankly they just sell so many. But most of the attention and most of the R and D is now going into the electric trucks because that's where the that's where the cash cow of the future is. So it's um it's a fascinating time in the market. Of course, like the F one fifty that we love most is the hybrid which gives you a really great combination of some of the extra versatility of things like, you know, plug uh, onboard power, better fuel co- fuel economy, that low down torque that you get from the hybrid, but you still have, you know, the 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 range of a of a gas truck and the ease of use of a gas truck. Yeah, okay. And then F150 Lightning. So we've got a Lightning that's you know, we got an electric truck, it's kind of based off of the existing F-150 platform, so it's more of a conversion, if you will, than a, than a clean sheet of paper. Ford's talking about the next version of the Lightning is sort of a ground-up uh, you know, design, something that they can share under other vehicles, maybe Lincoln Navigator or Expedition or something like that. Uh, but now that it's been out for a little while – People got to spend a little more time with it. What are your thoughts on Lightning? I mean, obviously it topped your topped your category, but maybe there's nothing else to compare it against. Well, I mean, obviously there's the Rivian and there's the Hummer. Um, they're the three EV trucks available. So you're right; it, it not didn't quite win by default, but uh, there's not a huge amount in the market. Next year is going to be a very different different conversation. It's just, I mean, you know, Matt, you own one, don't you? So it's. Yeah. I mean, what it is for mo- what we've said is like for most truck buyers, it's a better kind of truck. If you tow all the time, and if you go really big distances, then I'd say buy the F one fifty hybrid. But if you can charge it at home, and you're maybe going like you know 150 miles a day, 200 miles a day, and not like towing loads of stuff or hauling too much, then 
it's just a better kind of truck. The, the benefits of that frunk where you can get a load of lockable, secure space in the nose, it's super fast. I mean, it's got more torque than the Raptor. It's super quiet. It's super comfortable. Yeah, the price has gone up, which is a, you know, is a mark against it. That's just because the raw material costs have gone up for Ford uh, and for everybody else. Um, but it's just, it's just a great truck. Forget the EV bit. It's just a great truck. Do you think, do you think things like over-the-air updates has made a significant enough difference for, for car owners and the and the brands? Because uh, I've I got a couple so. updates. I think so, and I think there's more to come. I think where this is where the sort of older world manufacturers think by their own admission acknowledge that the software is sometimes where they're not as good as some of the Silicon Valley types or even some of the, you know, te- Tesla. You know, Tesla was very good at some of the uh, early software and getting the, you know, getting the updates going and everything else. And I think you'll see more from Ford in that area. They've hired a lot of people. All the, all these major car manufacturers have basically been out and hired a load of tech geeks, if you like, from Silicon Valley to help them with the software because it's just an area that they never had to develop in this way before. So I think, you know, Ford's interface on the Lightning is okay, but it's not amazing. I think you'll see more developments from that on, on that score. Obviously, you've got things like Apple CarPlay on board. And, you know, and we're also in the broader market seeing, you know, Sony and Honda pairing up. We're seeing Apple with CarPlay get more into the whole architecture and infrastructure of, of, of the cockpit. So it's no longer just like an app. It's actually going to be taking over the whole in-car system. So, you know, you're seeing this fusion of consumer tech and, uh, you know, an automotive understanding. And, yeah, I think, I think the nice thing about having something like a Lightning is, you know, it just keeps updating. Your iPhone updates and so does your car. It's the same principle. So I, I, I've got, you know, I drive a, a handful of different cars and different press cars and this and that, especially over the holidays, you leave town. Mm-hmm. So I've still only got about 2,200 miles on, on my Lightning. Uh, I don't normally get close to 300 miles range, probably around the 250 range. But also it's all based off of estimates. As I'm charging it, it gives you an estimate of what it thinks it's going to be at 100 percent. And I don't necessarily always charge it to 100 percent. And as it's charging and it gets closer than that 80, 90 percent range, I did notice it – the total range creeps up a little bit from the estimate like you know if i'm charging it for an hour it says the estimate's 240 range on on hour number 7 of my charging it's like oh we're going to be like 264 range or 275 range it might be a little little closer so i haven't really i don't know that i've even charged it to a full 100% yet and only just because i I don't charge it at home. I charge it at my warehouse where I go to work every day. I'm not there for 10 hours and maybe I'm there for eight hours or I run out to do an errand or something and I got to unplug it and plug it back in. So some of it is time and some of it is I, – I don't know how accurate this is but there's you know, advice saying you know, don't charge to 100 percent if you don't really need the 100 percent. Try to keep it to that you know, 85, 90 percent range. And you can preset your vehicle to stop at 90% or whatever percentage you want. Yeah, I mean, that's generally regarded as common sense advice for 
for most people to protect the batteries and also because the charging ramps down so that last 10% takes forever. So generally, I mean, we typical advice is charge to 80%, you know, for, for, for everyday use and then charge to 100% for those, you know, big trips, the time when you, you know, you drive to wherever, Palm Springs, whatever for you. So, yeah, that that's kind of standard advice. And this is part of the game, right? You've got to have this this level of education and understanding that comes with owning an EV. But as more and more people do it, this will become more commonplace for sure. So I I don't do a big long commute either. I charge my truck once a week, right? And and that's coming here to the studio and running some errands and going around town and doing stuff. Like I just charge it about once a week and it's enough uh, for for what I do. However – there are a few things that I've been avoiding doing. There's some work down in San Diego, like Oceanside. And when I said earlier, like, hey, we need to make that jump, it'd be interesting to make that jump to get to that 350, 380, 400-mile range. Um, and it, it's – yes, because we can get to 100 percent. But if my F-150 was 350-mile range – and I know that I'm not really going to get 350 miles and I'm not going to charge it to 100%. I'd like the real range to be, you know, 300, you know. So when you when you buy the truck and everyone's like, it's 300-mile range, that's kind of the 300-mile range that I'd like to have had. But the reality is, is I would need a, a, a you know, a 350, you know, 360 range from Ford for me to get 300 because uh, it's just not panning out exactly the way, you know, it was sold to me. Yeah. But then I guess if you go on a trip to Oceanside rather than sort of knocking around Venice Beach, you'd probably get more range. So it's all these kind of variables because it's now used to how you drive and the sort of errands that you do and you're in, in knocking around LA. So I, I'm not being an apologist here, but I guess the thinking is if you were charging it at home, you know, you charge it like you, I mean, said this before, you charge it like your iPhone. So you get home at night, you plug it in, you're ready to go again next morning with a with a full charge. And then you can go down to Oceanside and not worry about it. You come home, you plug it in overnight. So it almost becomes something that you don't think about in the same way that, you you know, you plug your phone in next to, bed, next to your bed and in the morning you wake up and you've got a full charge. And depending how old your phone is, it probably lasts all day. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. And then that being said, having spent time with the truck and driving it quite a bit, you're right. It's quiet. It's fast. It's comfortable. Um, I've got the F-150 Lightning Platinum, and the Platinum is just a really nice truck. Like, it's just – honestly, it doesn't really matter if it's gas engine or hybrid or electric. Like, if you get an F-150 Platinum, that's a pretty nice truck. Mine just happens to be electric, so it's quiet and it's fast. That's kind of how I explain it to most people. Like, how do you like your Lightning? I go, it's like a really nice F-150, but it's quiet and it's fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's pretty much it. There's a there's a few things that I would like to see to make the – just make it a little more convenient Uh that I think can be addressed with software updates. I don't know if enough people have spoken out about it, but it, there's nothing really major. Just little things like with your with your with your air conditioning system, the recirc button is a couple steps into the menu, and it doesn't need to be. There's literally just space there on the screen. We were like, you could just create two buttons instead of one and just have 
the recirculation button. Like it, it should just be there, especially in L.A. because we were sitting in traffic and everyone was just smoking weed in their cars. You just smell the weed all the time, so you kind of want to hit that hit that button. Uh, I agree on the frunk. Uh, the frunk is super useful. It is basically my storage. That's what I use all the time when I'm just throwing stuff in there. I got the cargo net in there as well so I can throw some things in there and not have it all flop around. Um, the little the little tub that's in there, uh, uh, I'm always throwing things in there. And it's cool because the lid that's on it, um, if you put something in the little tub so it doesn't move around as much, the lid stands up straight. It's got slots and you can just stand it up straight and you can drive around. And I actually drove around like pretty aggressively to see if the lid would flop around while it's in there and it seems to work fine. So – it, there's just a lot of clever thought. I mean, it's the same with the F one fifty standard F one fifty. But there's just a lot of, yeah, it's just a lot of really clever thinking. And also that with the over the air update stuff, that you know they can keep iterating it. So it kind of makes the whole use thing kind of interesting because now anything with Apple CarPlay, you don't feel you know like when you used to get in a used car that was three or four years old, and you think, oh god, this is old and it hasn't got you know my phone doesn't work or I can't do you can't listen to Spotify. Now anything that's got Apple CarPlay, as long as that, you know, as long as it basically is started keeping to update, then a car doesn't feel so old anymore. And maybe with the Lightning, it's going to be the same thing. You keep you keep doing the over the air updates in three years' time. It's going to feel, you know, feel like a slightly different truck to what you bought. I, I agree with that. I think I think because there's more more things coming out for your phone, for your smartphone than there are for for the vehicles that having that sort of be your infotainment hub uh, through CarPlay or Android Auto or something, I think is is the smart move. And for some of the companies that I don't know why they're sort of grasping onto their own programming tech, um, I'm looking at Jaguar Land Rover. <laughs> I, you know, I think I you know I know they got CarPlay, but I don't know why they keep investing in the software developers when and they probably should be a little bit more outsourcing to the you know to the Googles and Apples of the world. Uh, I think it is I think it is kind of interesting. So, um, what else was on the list? What else are we missing? Anything? Uh, let me just go back to my let me just go back to my my, my list because I can't remember what I said. Um, we talked about the Onyx Five, Bolt EV, Lightning. No, that's it, Matt. We got the six, and then next week we'll have the uh, the best of the best. So that's coming a week later. Um, okay, so we're going to have to to wrap it. But there's uh, one thing that Bill and I touched on last week. You weren't here, but we uh, we uh, we talked about you. Uh, we talked about Alistair Weaver's big "I told you so" moment, and that's when Tesla said. We're going to offer our cars with a regular steering wheel instead of just the yoke. And if you want the yoke, you could get it optionally. But now the default is a regular steering wheel. <laughs> so, so there's that. I, I like to think that I am like the consumer champion, Matt. And now and again, I have positive benefit. Uh, I mean, yeah, we had a bit of a bit of a lap back. So the aftermarket was already doing them for like vast expense. You could oh, already yeah. buy them in the aftermarket. But uh, the, uh, we, we were actually talking in the office about you know like times when manufacturers have you know done a mea culpa. Like I remember like Porsche when they brought out the Tiptronic and it had really stupid like little gear stick. So like you had a plus and you had to kind of use your palm on 
doesn't work well on a podcast, does it? Yeah. I'm kind of gesticulating here. But yeah, you had to use your palm to change up. Uh, yeah. You had these really terrible buttons where everybody else just wanted paddles like a Formula One car. And eventually they brought out paddles as, yeah. a, as an option. Then eventually everything had paddles. So we're trying to think of other, other times where people have, have kind of had such a kind of, you know. I mean, I mean a, you know, Aston Martin Vantage had the big grouper mouth on the front. And now optionally you can get a more conventional front end for the, it'll probably cost you $6,000 as an option. But if you don't want the big mouth on the Aston Martin, you can get a more conventional look going back to, to the old design. But yeah. the, I mean, going back to the Tesla thing, if anybody had driven, it's a thousand horsepower car with a steering wheel that, you know, just basically doesn't work in everyday, in everyday life. And, if anybody watches the video that we did of it on our on our test track, you know we want to go back and repeat it with a proper steering wheel. Um, and yeah, it was just I think it was like a PR idea, and probably a bunch of people in the company said this is a really terrible idea. And somebody said we need we need something we need to like create some noise we need we need give us a yoke. And um, anyway, terrible idea. Thankfully, I, hopefully, I, that's the end of that. Look, I, my point about the whole thing, it doesn't really matter to me why they did it or why they stopped doing it, is the point was you said this is not necessarily a smart move from a driving perspective. And Twitter fucking blew up. <laughs> you know, YouTube comments, everyone lost their shit, right? And now Tesla's like, well, we're not going to concede completely, but – we're pretty much agree with you. So I'm just saying a little credit where credit's due. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was all me. I did it. <laughs> it was all – it was all I'm, – I'm not saying you made Tesla change their mind. I'm just saying yeah, but, you, but I did. you spoke yeah. up and probably sent them an email and made them change their mind. Uh all right, so let's uh, let's have you back on again uh, soon. Maybe we can figure out a way to do it uh, next week. Uh, I know we're traveling for Bear Jackson, and so we can get the final results of the rest of your stuff, and we could probably get into um, Corvette E Ray. Yes, because we had a we had a look at that in Detroit. So yeah, we could we could absolutely do that. Happy to, as always. Um, Alistair, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Uh, it's Edmunds.com is the website. Go check them out now as you guys go and listen to this. You'll see the top rated stuff. And then next week, there's some more information rolling out as well. And I'm sure there's a whole suite of videos and, and stuff to go along with, uh, with uh, all the award winners. Absolutely. Videos, social, the whole shebang. The whole shebang. And uh, you can follow uh, Alistair. Feel free to say hi to Alistair. On uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, and if you're a Tesla owner, be sure to follow Alistair <laughs> at <laughs> Weaver on Cars. <laughs> follow him on uh, on Twitter and say hello <laughs> to him. And uh, I, you can't see him. Maybe put up the screenshot, but I like the retro shirt. It's very sort of Toyota ish. You got going on there, by the way. There you go. There you go. Uh, thanks, guys. Until next time, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com.
You know, I got to tell you, I have so many garbage apps on my phone, I never know where to look for stuff. And recently, I decided to clean house. All the junk and clutter gone. This leaves me with my most cherished apps. You know, the ones that can do it all. Like my Live One app. Music, events, news, podcasts, comedy. Oh, and actual musical stations curated by humans, not those robots hanging out on Bezos's yacht. All this on one tiny little place on my phone. I've become such a fan of the app we here at the Adam Carolla Show will give you three months free. Jump on to liveone.com forward slash Corolla to lock in your deal today. And with inflation at an all-time high, this is a huge savings. Liveone.com forward slash Corolla for three months plus for free. No ads. All month long on Pluto TV, stream the biggest Tyler Perry movies free. Watch your favorites like Medea's Witness Protection and Medea's Big Happy Family. Join Tyler Perry as he goes on a couple's retreat with Sharon Leal in Why Did I Get Married? Or Idris Elba and Gabrielle Union in the Tyler Perry directed film Daddy's Little Girls. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of channels with thousands more movies and TV shows available on live and on demand. Download the free Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free.